0: We play Dungeons and Dragons! Or is that trademarked? I wonder if that's trademarked. Start
1: the game already! That's two episodes in a row you've done that. (sighs)
0: I'm I'm hoping that people will get annoyed enough by it that they'll send me booze that doesn't have a cork in it.
1: That's what we need. Not a Patreon, but like just booze. <laughs> well, just like well beer patrons.
0: Des- what we desperately need is, is to be uh, sponsored by some kind of alcoholic beverage company.
1: Mm. Maybe I should set up like a P.O. box for us. <laughs> just send, send
0: stuff, anything. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever you want. I mean, send us an old tire
1: with, full of bricks. <laughs> we don't care. As long as you're uh, shipping on it. Yeah, well, this is going to shock you, but I'm not actually drinking cider. What? Well, it is after Labor Day, which means it's pumpkin season, apparently. Pumpkin everything. It is. And I went shopping and I found Big Rig Brewery Tales from the Patch Pumpkin Porter. Oh, okay. Apparently the can glows in the dark. that'll that'll
0: play well on the uh, the actual audio only podcast. Yeah. Hey, wow, that really does glow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, We have a a big rig in Ottawa just down the road.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep, they actually brew brew stuff on site. Yeah, I have a big rig glass actually in the cupboard upstairs because last time we were there, the only time we were there.
1: (laughs) Not a lot of pumpkin. It's subtle, so it's not overwhelming. It's not bad. Oh, there you go.
0: I'm boring this week. I'm drinking vodka again. I made some lemonade to mix with it. I'm hoping to get through it soon. The thing Uh, that you hate. You punish yourself. I spent money on it. I have to use it.
2: I'm thrifty. You you,
1: you know, surely you've like, need to do some post-processing on some 3D prints or something. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, I do have some cat barf on the carpet that I could clean up. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, you know what? That that leads into a, a sort of a segue for an idea that I just remembered that I had. That I want to actually start printing off some uh, dungeon tiles because I'm hoping to start an in person game at some point in the nebulous future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to have
1: tiles where I could go, and
0: then you come into this room, click
1: oh nice so actual yeah. full like tiles not just like scatter terrain to throw on a map yeah
0: hmm. yeah actual like for the in dungeon stuff right mm-hmm. where it, it actually clicks together with magnets or something
1: Very nice. I did you some, into some, that a bit before
0: didn't you i did and then covid hit and it, suddenly it was like well none of us are ever going to meet in person again so this doesn't matter shut that off
1: so you managed to put a headset on today
0: I did. Yesterday was a little bit uh awkward. I actually had to go upstairs and steal my wife's bluetooth speaker so I could continue playing Baldur's Gate 3. Oh yeah, um surprise surprise, I'm still playing Baldur's Gate 3. Um okay, also here's a, here's a, here's a giant surprise. For, yeah,
1: you started it, yeah. again, obviously.
0: I did. I did start again.
1: Um I'm so at what the do you point- got, like 60 hours in and you still haven't made it past the little grove thing. Um I was, I don't know. Does it record
0: per playthrough or does it record total? Cause I had 32 hours into the previous playthrough and I was about 90 or 90% of the way through the Underdark, having finished everything else in what I assume is act one, right? Like before you click through into the mountain pass. Um, and I just, I got to the point where I don't, I don't really, eh, you know, uh i wasn't really feeling it i was playing i uh, playing through as as the goody two shoes route which is you know the one that just feels most natural to me and i thought like this is ridiculous i'm playing as a paladin why don't i actually just play as a paladin so
1: so are you at the point where you have oh you don't have withers yet in your your camp yeah i do so why start over again instead of just respecking
0: i also wanted to change my race so I'm playing through as a uh, as a drow paladin.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting combo.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's actually kind of neat. There's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of the oh my god a drow, but there are a few instances of that. Um, there's quite a few sort of oh, it's odd to see you know one of your people here. That's that's pretty much it.
1: <laughs> but, well, we'll have to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 some more maybe next show. Um I promised we'd try and get through an episode without, you know, being a Baldur's Gate 3 podcast.
0: Nah, it's not We just got to rename the podcast to
1: Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, that's what I basically said in the last episode. I think I named it I guess we're a Baldur's Gate 3 podcast now. Yeah. Um, sorry, we everyone. Did, we did talk about it a lot. So I had a a depressing thing happened this week, and it's particularly relevant to this show for a couple of reasons. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had this conversation about celebrity and and don't meet your heroes, and yep. And I I got a bit of a gut punch uh, this weekend. I, I just happened to be doing some some googling and some and quick research, and. probably the one of the people most responsible for shaping me as a nerd and some of my general nerd interests. Turns out they were a terrible human being. And nobody knew. So for details, because we've been talking about fantasy literature and we've been reading the, the Patrick Rothfuss stuff. And... My benchmark for fantasy, because it really was my 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 gateway into the genre, mm-hmm. was some of the stuff I read when I was younger. And I'm a big fan of the books of David Eddings. Yeah. Um, we've talked about some of his stuff, and I've used it as a point of comparison before. And until this weekend, I would have said, you know what, as an adult, I can see that his... His fantasy was a little formulaic and, and rudimentary. It's sort of the, the last gasp of the old school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can tell that a lot of it was very much a... It's like talking a, and, fanfic. Yeah, but, you know, that sort of, uh, hey, I need to make, this is a paycheck to me kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I can see those flaws in the writing now. But Mm. with my nostalgia goggles, I I still look back at the books fondly. And I was actually considering uh, recommending that we, uh, you as somebody who I don't think has read his stuff before. Some of it.
0: I've read some of it.
1: uh, I was going to recommend we uh, read the Elenium and Tmule series. They're shorter, sort of two, three book series. So it would have been six books in total. Sort of pick away at them. And uh, I was just, doing some Googling related to that. And then I've found some stories about Mr. Eddings stuff that, uh, his wife died in 2007, I think. And then he passed away in 2009. Hmm. And I want to say only like 2020, maybe 2019 ish. Uh, some details really made it into mainstream media about some shit that went on before he was even writing books. Um, Child abuse, and I don't, you know, I don't want to undersell this as just, like, stereotypical kind of blue-collar, everyday child abuse. Like, I'm talking adopting children and, and putting them in cages kind of child abuse. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, I started reading some things. I went down a bit of a Reddit rabbit hole, and it's like, okay, well, this is this is allegations, allegedly. Then there's links to some old articles from newspapers talking about Eddings and his wife spending a year in jail over this, and, and the two adopted children were taken away. And,
3: oh, and there's, man.
1: There's the typical fanboy sort of reaction where, you know, anybody that's going to defend anybody for any reason, they're like, well, that's using a middle name. That's not his middle name, is it? Well, actually, yeah. Well, that's not his wife's name. No, well, actually, after they moved because of this, his wife changed her name. Mm. So my understanding, having done a little bit of research, is that it is uh, very much with him. And, uh, man, that sucks.
0: Yeah, it does. I like to to think and hope that people can change, right? And uh, this this gets into a a sort of deeper and, and more serious subject of like, what do we do with people when they break whatever the the boundaries and and rules that we set up as a society? Because mm-hmm. we, I mean, you can throw him in jail, and yeah, you should. Yes, he needs to be punished. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. But
1: like, reform and rehabilitation is important. I'm a big believer agreed. in that. Yes, and, and that people need to earn the opportunity to be better people. But right. that doesn't mean forgetting and forgiving. No. The things that they've done.
0: No, but it, if, if you're going to give somebody an opportunity to change and become a better person, then there has to be the opportunity for you forgiveness.
1: Have to, yeah, you have to make room for them in society. Yeah. But where I'm at now, like I, I look, you know, there was no. While both of them were alive, as far as I can tell, there was no. forthcoming apology there was no even like openly talking about i did some things in my past like it was just like we're going to move to a different state in a different part of the country we're never going to talk about this uh i i can't get a normal job anymore so i'm going to write some books um why wouldn't you do it under
0: a with under a pseudonym though like if you're trying really hard to escape
1: i don't know it's before Uh, the internet so before the internet and and honestly it was a time when a lot of people probably wouldn't have cared you know the publisher saw the books uh it was in the very very early days of fantasy being viable like money-making literature Mm -hmm. and uh i think del rey was the the publisher lester del rey like personally saw the books and i mean they've they've got a history of of hitching their wagon to not some not great people so looking back on it I'm not terribly surprised but it's like having my childhood ruined almost you know like yeah. it was such an important part of shaping who I was I've got friends not like everyday friends but like online friends that I still talk to once in a while that I met in like David Eddings fan community sites like GeoCities and and like early Yahoo stuff and uh I mean the books are are prominent you know they're, they're they're the only books that I go back and read every i don't know half decade or so like you know I've reread a lot of my fantasy stuff, but I've mm-hmm. probably read the the Belga series eight times at this point in my life uh some of the other series you know four or five times like and now knowing what I know, like I go back and I think about things in the books, stuff that didn't stand out to me as being a problem, and now that they're now they're, they're colored a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the some of the the ways children are portrayed, some of the, the ways women are portrayed. Um, it's a little bit of a power fantasy going on.
2: I I really I don't know. Like I would have
1: held up his work as one of the earlier like obviously is his portrayal of women isn't great but relative to his peers at the time that his books were big i would have said here's one of the better examples Mm -hmm. you know it's not perfect but it's it's several steps in the right direction you know it was not um like it had moved away from the 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 kind of stuff that appealed to people like that were into Conan and, and, and the sort of yeah. very like uber masculine kind of like, it was light sword and sorcery. It was closer to Harry Potter without being yeah. for, you know, explicitly Perfect. for children. Yeah. It was, it was almost young
0: adult, but not quite. Yeah. I, re- I remember various yeah. bits of it. Um Speaking of, sorry, this is a little bit of a, uh, but you mentioned Conan and I think I may have mentioned, I know, I know I mentioned it to you before, but I'm not sure if I mentioned it uh, on the podcast before uh, I went and actually bought the collected works of the Conan guy. What's his name? Oh my God. Don't even have alcohol as an excuse. It's not important. Robert Howard, Robert E Howard. Is that him? Um, and I, I started reading some yep, of it and like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's bad like it's really really bad i mean it's it's very much a, a a work of its time um but even for its time i'm pretty sure it was
1: and there's a line and a lot of that early fantasy like you know i would look at something like tolkien and say it was of its time yeah you, you know there's very very even if he didn't mean them in a, in a negative way like um Tolkien you know fought in world war one he 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 had a lot of good things to say about Jewish people, for instance, mm-hmm. but still referred to them almost as if they were different people, and then uh you see yeah. you know the the influences uh of of that in in his portrayals of uh dwarven culture and and stuff, and it's just like ooh.
3: Yeah, of its it's, time,
1: not it. You know, it isn't a slap you in the face, offensive as a lot of other stuff was at the time. But it, you know, it's still there. You can see it. Like you know, maybe twenty years you wouldn't have seen it, but you do now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's there. It exists. It's. I think it's easy enough if you want to pretend it's not there that you can probably skip over it mentally. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one of the things about Tolkien actually is, that springs to mind is that like he had like f- women characters, women as characters in his fiction that stood on their own. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of them, you know, mind you, but some anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool,
1: I think. Yeah. And, you know, I would have thought that like looking back at the David Eddings stuff, like. you know. I considered it a positive step in the genre and now this weekend I've been doing a little bit of soul searching and just trying to remember some of the 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 things that I've read and it just
2: it
1: it it paints things with a little bit of a different brush like I don't know that it outright paints it but that that's an Perspective interesting sort of exercise matters. to think about yeah
0: And once you, like, for example, like, I I mean, I, as, as kids, right, we watched Top Gun and then we saw Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch and now can't watch a Tom Cruise movie without thinking, this guy's kind of a weirdo.
1: Yeah, I think most people have embraced him as the weirdo now.
0: I mean, his, his movies are fun to watch. I don't, but he's like it crosses my mind and then i'm like okay that's just a movie It's just entertainment right and that's that's one of the things too i mean it's a that's a big question can you separate the art from the artist because if we go back like to the 60s and 70s pretty much everybody who was involved in everything everywhere was pretty much like a horrible misogynist racist prick
3: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: okay David Eddings is not important in the grand scheme of literature. Like, sometimes you no. look back at authors that have obviously not aged well, but you recognize them as being sort of culturally significant, both of their time and 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 of the time that followed the, the time that they helped shape and mold. David Eddings isn't that, you know, he was a a hack fantasy writer that just happened to resonate specifically with me at the time mm-hmm. that I read him and I wasn't the only one like actually one of my english teachers my uh high school recommended david eddings to me like not as a hey read this for for class but hey let me lend you my books i think you'll um, really dig them oh that's cool and that was my introduction and and uh oh. i just don't know like
2: should it
1: taint my my perception of these books should i allow it to like is it the right thing to do to to now consume this art through the lens of the things that i know about the artist it might be worth
0: taking a relook at it but again like it comes down to do we do we, do we consume the artist or we, do we consume the art? And I don't know the answer to the question. I mean, it's a, it's a valid question. I think it's worthy of discussion. Um, it's not, it's not like you're sending money to a horrible person. No. And, and,
1: you know, at this point, like, you know, the estate, like, I don't, I don't even know who has the estate. Like they're, they're dead. They're, they're not getting money. Mm-hmm. So by even recommending. You already own they, the books. Yeah, oh, I already own the books, but even recommending them to others, like I'm not not I'm no longer rewarding somebody for a shady life that they managed to keep under wraps long enough to achieve success. Like, you know, still a New York Times bestseller multi times over, you know. Well, I don't know. I again it comes down
0: to the question of like who gets to judge. Right. Like, is it, is it, and, and again, I'm not sure that I know the answer to that question. Um, I, I would suggest sometimes that, you know, judgment needs to, it sort of needs to sit in the hands of a collective because any individual given the power to judge, I mean, I've read the internet. Have you read the internet? If we let any one of those morons and I include myself in that number, you know, be in charge of anything, we're in trouble right like we we need to uh th- this brings up uh yet another thing that i would like to talk about at some point i would like to talk about internet trolls at some point um <laughs> probably not tonight because i need to put my thoughts in order um but the idea that we need argument in the classical sense we need we need people who disagree with each other in order to form proper conclusions and so in order to find the truth we need to have not necessarily opposing, but very definitely different points of view. Cause uh, there was, I despise uh, business literature and business advice, but there, there is some that is applicable all over the place. And the one thing that has stuck with me, and I think I read this in my early twenties. So this was, you know, I don't know, back in the dark ages before electricity uh, was I don't need you to agree with me all the time. If you and I agree all the time, one of us is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's nice to have opposing viewpoints. Uh, and I, I, I sort of occupy an interesting space in opinions in that I, I can sort of see both sides of this argument. Um, like on the one hand, like if you enjoy the books, you enjoy the books right? The books are not, the books are not the man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the other hand, do you want to recommend them to people anymore? Maybe not, but I don't think that you should feel guilty about enjoying the works that the, the man created.
1: No, I don't. I just, and listen, It it, it isn't my job to thoroughly research uh, and, and if necessarily write like a detailed biography of every artist I'm interested in, in, you know, enjoying their art before I, I enjoy it. Right. Like nobody got time for that. But at the same time, like, I feel like somebody who, who has enjoyed him as much as I have and, and actively been a part of communities around this guy. Like it isn't just that I I read the books and like them, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I, I let the books define a lot of my nerddom. I, I recommended them to other
2: people. I I do think I need
1: to just explicitly apologize. I've mentioned them a few times on this show before. If anybody out there listened and, and recognized the name and heard me praising or speaking positively about this man. uh, Sincerely, I'm sorry, I did not know. At the time that I said those things, I did not know. Um,
2: I know now. And
1: while it maybe isn't my responsibility to be in the know, uh, I just want to make sure that you know that I, I wasn't turning a blind eye to these things intentionally. While while talking about this guy and praising his works, um, it was a shock to me this weekend, and it it really sucks, you know. Yeah. Never meet your heroes, man.
0: Yeah, it's uh, they, they're and, not heroes. And-
1: you know, I mean, that just sort of feeds into the idea that it would have been better to be ignorant and not know this thing and continue to be sort of blind to, to it. So maybe you have to meet your heroes, but in meeting your heroes, keep your expectations low.
0: Let's let's all go meet Keanu Reeves.
1: Yes. help me, Keanu Reeves, you're my only hope. If you're... Happen to be interested in in writing a really great fantasy series, I will be the first one to buy your books. I
0: mean, he's acted in a really great fantasy series. It's called John Wick, and they're amazing. I mean, the story is deep and nuanced. Let me give you a plot synopsis. They kill his dog, and he goes ape shit. What more do you need
1: in a fantasy no, series? No, and or anything really. It's pretty much all you need. I mean, I could have done without the dog killing. But yeah, it works for for what it
0: is. I mean, if you want to, you know, uh, reduce Tolkien down to that, it's like, hey, here's this ring. It's a problem. Let's go for a walk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So enough of the depressing. uh, Yet, I did have some stuff I wanted to talk to you about today. I want to actually pick your brain, drill uh into that that noggin of yours, and 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 suck out the, the, the juice. What are, what are you, are you an illithid now?
0: Have you I'm gone through ceramorphosis illithid. No, I just, Haven't... I just
1: play one on TV. <laughs> 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 Haven't gone through ceramorphosis
0: yet. It is to be avoided.
1: <laughs> uh, sorry. So, uh, at least until this David Edding shit popped up, I've been spending a little bit more mental energy on um, my prototype tabletop role-playing system. Just trying to get organized. I haven't spent a lot of time developing it, per se. Like, I, I've I've sort of hit this point where I'm ready to take the next step, but I want to start defining some things before I jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Going into a project like this, it's one thing to set some initial goals, but I'm now at the stage where I want to set some, some like guiding principles, something that I can constantly refer back to as I'm making decisions and. Don't be uh, evil. Yeah, don't be evil. Um, but I also like to overcomplicate things. Oh yes, you do. (laughs) You think? (laughs) So I guess that's the initial thing. How do you say no to your own ideas that don't fit even if you think they're really good ideas?
0: Um well, I'm I mean I learned that lesson at work. Um thankfully in a non-destructive manner. It's it actually and the way it came to me is is a coworker more or less like reiterating the idea that you just, you can't be married to your ideas. If, if you come up with an idea and whoever, now it's a little bit more, it's a little bit different when you're, you're working on the thing yourself and you're arguing with yourself. But um, for me, it was like, if, if whoever's in charge of the thing says, Hey, it's a good idea, but no, like we're already doing it this way. You just, you have to put your ego aside. And really, I think it comes down to ego. Like if you have a good idea and it doesn't fit, you you have to, you have to put your ego aside and and look at it coldly and logically and say, does it make sense to try and incorporate this? Or does this belong somewhere else? Like, is it a good idea that I can use elsewhere or that I can, I don't know, give away or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever.
1: So Um, for some context, the genesis of of the idea of this system and it's I'm going to call it a framework rather than a system. And I'll get into some of those details. But uh, when I took the, the leap of faith to, to start creating something, my goal was to create a, a, a simple tabletop system, not, not necessarily rules light, not necessarily like no rules. But I wanted something that adapted well to different settings, different types of gameplay you know you could you do your typical sword and sorcery stuff you could be rats running around a maze you wanted to get into some some space hijinks uh this has some basic mechanics that you can lean on to spin up something quickly mm-hmm. now my goal wasn't to turn it into a like replacement for something like D fifth edition or gurps yeah. like D&D 5th edition for for long campaigns, you know, especially if you're playing in a setting that is appropriate for D&D 5th edition. It's great. It's not perfect, but it's achieved the success that it has for reasons. You know, it isn't just a brand name because D&D 4th edition was a brand name and it did not gain the kind of traction that 5th edition did for lots of reasons. We should talk about that in another episode. We should. So, this goes back to our game when we, you kicked off the, the hub idea. Mm-hmm. Not only would you we have a hub where our characters could kind of leap into different sort of settings and themes and stuff, but you also wanted to provide an opportunity for different people in our group to actually GM some of those adventures. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I wanted to do was make some sort of adaptation to, to do some Mass Effect stuff because it's a, a setting that I, I really want to explore. There is
2: a fan-made 5th edition sort of, I don't know what you want to call it,
1: 5th edition plus 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 or Mass Effect. Conversion and it's, matrices. Yeah, and it's just like, it's all the baggage of D&D plus all the baggage of a bunch of shit piled on top of it. And I, and I got thinking as I was looking at exploring these things, like if we're going to just, you know, Hey, let's spend three weeks or four weeks doing this. And then let's jump into something else to have to go through the learning curve of new systems each and every time you wanted to do something small. There are systems out there that like, you know, I could have found something that was canned and, and ready to go, but I, I took it upon myself to want to to build something. So that was the problem I was trying to solve. So the idea is to, you know, be complex enough to, to be engaging, provide enough tools to uh, adjudicate exploration, combat, and social encounters. And what's a little bit different about it is I wanted to package it up as a, something that somebody else could use to, as a starting point to adapt their own material. So mm-hmm. where this would be different than like a, a fifth edition SRD, where, you know, there's some, some base mechanics here, there's some base classes, there's some base abilities, like the abilities and the items and, and some of that stuff would be pulled away from the system and attached to the setting. Because that stuff should all be flavored and, and, and shaped and molded around the unique things about your setting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So what I wanted to do is provide a mechanical framework to, okay, hey, you want to do some crazy magic? You want to do some samurai shit? You want to do laser swords and, and Star Wars-y type stuff? Here's some of the underlying mechanics. Uh, here's how you can kind of quasi-balance that stuff, you know, roll dice. Mm-hmm. And, and then you flavor it how you'd like. You know, use that as 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 kind of the starting point for adapting whatever material it is that you want. Um, so obviously, the framework would have to, to sort of look at the core mechanics of that kind of things. Like, these are the types of things that you would need to take into consideration when designing weapons. Um, here's how the things that these items do would interact with the rest of the systems, but I wouldn't... Let me let me rephrase, because I don't want to say wouldn't. If I were to release this as a product, and I'm considering it, I would release a free version that was the full sword and sorcery version of this. Mm-hmm. For free, open license. But if I wanted to then look at it as a way of like a side hustle, then I could put creative energy into creating settings. Yep. And some of the stuff that should be attached to that setting. So items and abilities and, and and things appropriate to that setting that can then be sort of retrofit into the system. That was kind of my approach. But, you know, again, keep it simple. That was the whole goal. And every time I think about this bloody thing, I start going off into like crazy places. Like you and I, the last time we talked about these systems, talked about like progression of abilities and, and spell progression. And I was sitting in the shower yesterday, I think, thinking about this. And I'm like, oh, here's a neat system for, like, leveling up spells. And I started, like, developing this whole mastery or expertise system where you could learn, like, say, a level one spell. uh, Say it's like a fireball. Or a fireball-ish spell, right? Okay. Yep. And... You can invest points into it as you learn these expertise points to do different things, depending on the nature of the ability. Like, uh, let's go to Fireball as a middle range ability. I can I can increase the damage of that spell. I can increase the area of effect of that spell. I can cause uh, an effect over time if I wanted. Uh, sort of a a neat way of taking what would be a simple spell and allowing you to tailor it to the particular style you want to play through investing these... Master your expertise points. hmm Started writing some notes. This is really good. This is gold, cool, Jerry. <laughs> and I'm like, but I wanted to keep this shit simple.
0: This mm-hmm. isn't simple. hmm Yeah. It's it's tough to keep things simple. Um I would like to go back to an earlier point, uh, the idea of investing creative energy into settings and things like that. I think whatever system that it is, like whatever the mechanic is, because there really should be, uh, one of the things that 5e did, and it did really, really well, is that there's basically one mechanic. Mm-hmm. There's one. Roll roll d20 and beat a number. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not sure that they nailed making that, Good, but it is simple, right? And there's mm-hmm. a central mechanic. Um it, but really what what makes any of that work? Because I mean anybody can say, like, hey, you know, roll a D6 and you have to beat a five. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes that work is like, well, where are we going? What does it look like? Who are the people that are there? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, how do they act? What are they interested in? Um, you know, like hey, I go into a shop, what's there? All of that stuff is is actually the stuff that That matters like you could you could and and i have i've I've participated in things where there are no dice Mm -hmm. there's there's a referee right and it's it's literally like you describe what you're doing and someone says either it works or it doesn't Mm -hmm. and and that works the important part is uh sort of like what what exists around that central mechanic Mm mm-hmm so I would say that it's probably best to start with, like, make a simple mechanic. Don't even worry about uh, what's attached to it.
1: Yeah, and no, then- and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm there f- sort of minus the playtesting and, and turning knobs. Like, I've, I've got a fairly fleshed out mm-hmm. um, competing roles-based system that that seems to touch on most of what I want to touch on, sort of speeds up the pace of a lot of play, uh, sort of a simplified action system. Uh, I, rolling dice is fun. You know, I, the, I thought about like a diceless system that was more of, of, a, of a referee style thing. And it wasn't quite wasn't quite what I was going for, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, again, I wanted something that could be like, I, I, I'm a DM, maybe I'm a new DM or maybe I'm not, but I'm jumping into doing some new material. And this is a small investment of time. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm passionate about adapting a particular thing, maybe a bigger investment of time on part of the DM, but burdening them with the extra responsibility of being God. Like we yeah. always think of DMs as being God, right? But God that's still at the mercy of the dice rolls in most systems. Yep. Versus you know, the, the, the be all end all of adjudicating every decision without chance, without luck. And, mm-hmm. and that's an interesting thing. And I, I did consider it, but I, I opted to go in a different direction for my system. Um, as I say, I overcomplicate everything. And I always get to a point where it's like, okay, you're, you're putting too much thought into this, Shane. Can you turn it into a side hustle? <laughs> Is it worth turning into a side hustle? Are you serious enough about this to ever get to a point where it's a viable anything? You know, that doesn't, you know, whether it's a game system, whether it's a, you know, my little side art project, whether it's a fucking hot dog restaurant. Like, it, it's always, <laughs> it's always the way it goes with me. Uh, hot dog but, restaurants. But I'm, I'm now at the point where it's like, mm-hmm. I have these good ideas. Do I change my goal? Or do I, you know, argue with myself to the point where it's like, tuck those good ideas aside. Stop thinking about them because that's all you're thinking about right now. Realign yourself and your mental energy with the initial goal because it seemed like a good idea at the time and, and, and focus on that. That's just a little dance that I'm doing.
0: Uh, maybe, maybe you split it into two. Maybe you have like Shane system basic and Shane system expert. We could have like
1: one released in a blue book and one released in, in a Damn. red book maybe uh, there's so many complex systems out there and i don't know there's a lot of simple systems too i'm not that talented i'm a smart dude but you know i'm not that talented what i don't want to do is try and compete with D&D and path Pathfinder with, <laughs> wizards right. of the coast and paizo yeah like you know, and a million other people now, especially with uh, the the o g l shit that went down earlier this year with uh wizards really uh-huh providing motivations for for a lot of people to to start building out their own systems and oh yeah, I mean, I'd had this in my back pocket since well before then, but certainly oh it that was a reminder of like, oh shit, dude, if you'd actually done some work and and you know turn this into a thing by now people might be looking for something new they might yeah i mean i'm, oh, I'm but so- that's work
0: yeah and i have so much dungeons and dragons crap just lying around i would honestly like to go back and play second edition again um you know and going back to a little bit earlier as well i would wouldn't mind uh spinning up and trying fourth edition i think uh with uh because one of the problems that we had with fourth edition was there's just too much stuff to keep track of right like you had 17 colored rings around the the uh oh, you couldn't the do the
1: pace is just it's yeah it's, that's it's, the, it's the thing skirmish though skirmish with kobolds and it takes 17 hours if if you had uh
0: some assistance in keeping track of things which is actually the next uh, the next thing on your on the the show notes, uh, like having technology to aid in keeping track of that, like I think roll twenty could make that viable. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, well we apply a condition here, and you know this is here, and okay, so this 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 and that add up to this, and roll the dice, and you add those things, and we're done. All right, next. Um, we actually we fourth edition actually for us because we did mostly theater of the mind turned out to be
1: um more of a card game than an actual tabletop role-playing game like how do you play that theater of the mind like it is a system that is designed to be played on a grid yeah but you can do it you can do it and
0: it actually it didn't turn out all that badly honestly um it was just a question of like who's engaged with who um like who's in range and you know i play this card okay what does it do how does it affect everybody everybody keep track of your own shit Um, part of the, part of the reason that fourth edition was a problem for a lot of people was that there was just too much stuff for the DM to keep track of. Like you just couldn't, nobody has a brain that big. Uh, so if you can trust your players and they're keeping track of their own stuff, then generally it works out and everybody forgets enough that it doesn't matter. And I I come again back to my, my point that the system doesn't matter. What matters is the players win most of the time because if the monsters win every time, then your game is real short. Um, so as long as the players win, uh, here's an interesting thought, uh, and, and this is one of those things where uh, there have been a lot of times in, in like a big climactic fight that you know someone has made this this sort of grand and heroic gesture or some kind of charge. It's the charge of the light brigade it doesn't work you know and then somebody throws a rock and the, the big bad guy dies because he had one hit point left uh and it it there's an idea that's floating around out there that rather than keeping track of hit points you just go all right what's the what's the dramatically appropriate point for this monster to die mm-hmm. uh you don't even keep track of hit points it's like hey, is that a good one that's a good point for them to die all right yeah it, it dies at that point um now, there's, there's a flip side to that, where if you tell your players that that's what's happening, then it's not going to work. Right. And I will, I will admit to, like, I keep track of hit points, right? But if it's, hey, you know, like the person who has the emotional connection to the death of this particular creature is next in order, and this creature is at zero hit points, well, now it's on its last legs. Whatever yeah. they do, it's going to die.
1: Yeah. And the flip side of that is also like, if there isn't a significant emotional connection to whatever this is, don't yeah. prolong the combat. Like exactly. You know, oh, you got you got four guys left and on the map, and and all of them have like seven hit points left, and you know, like the 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 outcome is already being determined. Yeah, And now they fall over dead. Making yeah. numbers go down. Um. Mm-hmm. All right, I want to get back to the the technology aids things. So one thing I've never done, no, I can't say never. One thing I have not done in a very, very long time is DM, GM a game in any system in person. Well, I just need to come visit, bud. The last time I did it, I, I was working off of cue cards and, and, and paper character sheets. Now I know that you have been a, a, a fairly avid user of D and D beyond over the years. So yeah. my first question for you is how do you feel generally about those sorts of technology aids and, and minor automation tools when you're sitting around a table playing in person?
0: I don't mind them generally. Uh, it depends on how distracting they are, right? It it very much depends because sometimes, a lot of the times, I should say, those things are being accessed on someone's phone, mm-hmm. right? And if that person is engaged in the game and they're like, okay, my turn is coming up, I'm going to look through my character sheet and I'm going to, okay, so I'll click on that and make a note of that. And then when their turn comes, they push a button to roll some dice. I, I have no problem with it. If it's, oh, it's, it's not my turn and I have my phone here, so I'm going to play, you know, Angry Birds or... Uh, you know, snake or mm-hmm. whatever phone games the kids are playing these days—probably crypto or something. Uh, then that's a problem because it's—you know—then it comes to their turn and they're like, "Oh, sorry, just let me finish this level." It's like, n- no, like play one game at a time. Uh, so the only problem that I have with distractions is the, uh, the potential, and I'm—I'm I'm guilty of this more than anyone else. It's—I I used to at one time. I actually used map tools. Uh, as a dm and I, I literally had my laptop everyone else was theater of the mind but i had a map with just tokens on it so that i could tell where everyone w- w- was and who they were fighting um and i would get distracted by you know flashing lights and beeping noises so you know it's it's the kind of thing that we're we're very easily distracted by flashing lights and uh intriguing noises.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I think technology is wonderful. um the idea when Microsoft Surface first came out and it was like, "Hey, here's this sort of central uh coffee table type digital map in the middle of the table, I thought that was like, "Oh, this is the wave of the future like this is everybody's gonna get in on this and then it just flopped so I think the idea of digital tools is fantastic. Uh, I don't think
1: they've been implemented ideally yet. Mm-hmm. Now, just the obvious thing that, that I think of is that, you know, having digital tools, it's less about the tools and more about the opportunity that having those tools and using them creates and that you, you have people bringing devices to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Actively have a phone or a tablet or something in front of them, and that's that's sort of the 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 risk that I, I'm I'm trying to weigh. Because the thing with my system is that it's man, I don't want to get into to all the details because we were going to do this, and you know I could go on forever, but it's a classless system. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very sort of simple sort of. Uh, attribute setup where you've got some skills and you've got some derivative skills that just sort of auto-calculate you get points as you progress and you get to invest them how you'd like so it works best when all of that stuff is automated like you can create a character in my system in two minutes you fill out a name you go to uh i'm calling it uh background right now, but it could be the equivalent to like for a system where races or what are, are not appropriate species or whatever. Maybe you've got some bonuses there and then you've got, here's, you know, I'm level one. I've got eight of these points and I could invest how I want to doop, 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 doop. Starter item, starter item. You're good. Uh-huh. But the, the way that the, the, the numbers interact really lend themselves well to the automation it's not it's not complex math like you could sit with just a uh, uh, here's the rules outlining what the math are and and paper and a pencil and it's uh-huh. it wouldn't take you that long but it isn't as as intuitive to be like okay well you know, in in my google sheet that is the basic prototype for this like i'm using some floor functions i'm i'm rounding you know mhm uh-huh. By investing two points in this, it moves this up by one. And if you really want to know how it works, I mean, I've got like that all broken out, but it's just so simple to be like, boop, 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 I'm good to go. But that sort of necessitates having a device, a super basic character sheet, like it's, it's while you're playing, it's essentially a a one pager, like, you know, Uh Eight things and and each of those you could kind of roll on just by by clicking on them uh by the different bonuses and and that's basically the system in a nutshell that's sort of how you play but you're going to have your phone in your hand doing it and and Mm -hmm. that's what i'm wrestling with yeah i think that if
0: if the math is tedious enough then your system isn't simple enough is is what i come away with um,
1: I don't know. I don't. I don't want to go like I, 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 you know. I don't want to tedious. Is probably not like I'm looking for quick and and, and easy, right? Like you know, huh. the math needs to be the math. Like you you talk about D and D fifth edition. I would not call it tedious compared to a lot of other systems. But something as as simple as like proficiency bonus and how that works as you level is. I mean, yep. you could lay it out in a table, and, and that's one way of thinking about it. But, you know, the actual math behind it is just – it's simple, but it's not super intuitive unless you're focused on the math at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's and, and, one of those
0: things is like the derivative part of of things where it's like uh, – or the, the synergistic elements of things where it's like if you do this. Uh, one of the things that – and i'm i'm i read quite frequently the the dungeons and dragons subreddits here there and everywhere and one of the things that i see so often is people comparing damage numbers to each other right and what ends up happening is that some people rather than playing dungeons and dragons are playing optimize my character sheet mm-hmm. which is fine if that's what you want to do and that's what your group does great have fun, do your thing. But if you have four people around the table and three of them are playing "Optimize My Character Sheet" and one of them is playing "I, I really want to go searching for the mythical pony with a horn on its head," there's going to be a little bit of conflict because you know, uh, Little Miss Unicorn is not going to have a whole lot of fun with the "Okay, so I say hello to the innkeeper while the other three are burning the inn down with their laser beams that are shooting out of their eyes." um but there's there's so much focus on and i i don't know if i don't think it's mmo influence but you definitely see it in in mmos where it's um and i had conversations uh, because everquest was originally sort of designed as a um Let's make a world big enough that it feels like Dungeons and & Dragons. And at the time, it did, right? Because nobody knew where anything was. People weren't yes. doing a lot of uh, sort of digital scraping. They came um, with graphics. Yeah. Yeah, which is basically what it was. Um, but it, like, there were lots of things where like you would pick up some gear that was good for your warrior, right? And in EverQuest, warriors need armor class first, hit point second period end of discussion mm-hmm. um, but it would have intelligence on it and would have wisdom on it because at that time you were playing a single character because it took so much time to invest into things that you didn't like level up another character or do your trade skilling stuff this was the character you did trade skilling on so you needed some of the other stats as well because they also like like also uh, they hadn't released all of the math behind stuff so there was, you know, there, they, and they intentionally left things really vague. Like, does, does intelligence help with this? Does wisdom help with that? Does agility help with this? Is it dexterity? Is it strength? Is it What is it? Um, but now people complain about, well, they just didn't know how to itemize things. Well, no, they did that intentionally because they were expecting you to be a well-rounded character. You know, whereas now, and if the people who are left, honestly, are, are quite, Quite hardcore gamers so it's very much about maximizing whatever your maximum thing is right so if you're a wizard it's maximizing your pew pew you know and if you're a warrior it's maxing your your tank ability or your tankiness or whatever it is um, and i see a lot of that with uh with systems in things like dungeons and dragons and when you start building synergies into things, then that becomes uh, a goal for some people that it is right. Like what I need to do is I need to figure out if I do this and this, then it maximizes this. And then I trade off this for that. So what's your dump stat? Right. And I, I don't, I don't know if it's possible, but I really like the idea of, right? Creating a system where everybody should be a little bit good at everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and the trick to that is that you have to give everybody something to do with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, because you could, I mean like, Hey, we're doing, we're doing point by, I have eights in everything except strength. Right. Or I have eights in everything except intelligence. Look at how good a wizard I am. Are, are you though? Right, yeah. like you're I mean, good. my buy has a cap
1: just to, to
0: avoid to, that. But yeah. right, but because you have to alleviate that because there is nothing to incentivize yep. you as a wizard to take charisma because you're like uh, the the party face will do it.
1: Right, and 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 here's some some
2: some parallels I would like to draw. I
1: agree that that is a problem. It is especially a problem if all you do is. Engage in combat. Yep. Uh, The parallel that I want to draw is that one of the best things that I thought, you know, just sort of a basic thinking about creating characters, uh, the emphasis in in 5th edition, the character sheet, is the idea of uh, traits, bonds, flaws. Mm -hmm. You know, like anytime I I, I have people create characters, I want to say, think about flaws. Flaws are fun. Flaws are where a lot of story happens. Now, if you look at that sort of min-maxing for combat approach and what's my dump stat, I mean, you're looking at min-maxing. I'm looking at here's a character with a flaw that I should be not forcing, but encouraging gameplay to shine a light on and allow them, encourage them, to to role play those numbers as flaws,
0: I'm I'm okay with them being flaws, um, and like, and looking at it, that's a different perspective, and I appreciate it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but at the same time, I, I guess really what happens, like everybody needs their their sort of time to shine. Mm-hmm. My concern is, have you watched, there's a, a, I think it's, I know it's on YouTube. I'm not sure if it originated on YouTube. Uh, there's a, a video called uh, The Gamers. And then there's like The Gamers 2, The Dorkening, I think is what it's called. I want to say or I've heard dork, of it. Dork, I haven't watched dork, it. Rising um in it there's a a rogue who rolls to steal somebody's pants and of course like it it highlights the ridiculousness of critical success you steal his pants and he doesn't notice right and they actually acted out he rips his pants off but one of the things that they sort of highlight is that there's um there's two guys they want to have a game and they don't have enough people so there's two two a dungeon master and two guys And one of them knows a girl who might be interested in playing. So they invite her along to play. And of course, these two guys are like, well, this is the way that you do this. This is how you optimize this, that, and the other thing. And and she's uh, like a monk who has taken like most of her stats in intelligence. And they're like, oh, 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 that's not going to work. And the sort of the joke about it is that she's actually read the rules. And intelligence gives you all kinds of synergies with a bunch of stuff. And she gets extra actions, she gets extra stuff, and blah, blah, blah. I guess, like, what I'm trying to get at is not that min-maxing is not necessarily evil. It's when the the system lends itself to min-maxing the same way every time, right? Like every warrior has 18 strength and 8 charisma, um, which which is not necessarily a problem on its own, until in order to be a viable warrior, you must do that. Right. If there's a way that I can go, all right, like I'm going to, I'm going to put most of my points into charisma and that should be, that should be playable. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. See, and, and <sighs> I don't know, uh, it depends on your players. It depends on your, your, your dungeon master. Like to me, viability is something that's completely meaningless because if my players are, are going to create suboptimal characters, I'm adjusting the difficulty curve of the encounters sure. and situations I put but, them in to account for that. And, and also like to, to put them in the difficult situations that are narratively interesting rather than, you know, it, I don't know.
0: I agree. It, it depends. It very much depends on, on players and the DM. I, I think the trouble comes not so much when uh, you have like a, a party of suboptimal characters. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, there was one of the, one of the guys who was involved in the original writing of the basic expert master B E C, whatever the B, the b m b m c i with the immortals in it. I forget his name, mm-hmm. um, but I interacted with him on a, an internet forum for a bit. And he had some, some really sort of interesting points. He, he was running some games at a, um, at a convention. And uh, he, he ran one where everyone's stats were all eights. And it was perfectly fine. And he rather ran another one where everyone's stats were all 18s. And it was perfectly fine. Um, so like the, the stats not defining your characters is fine. The trouble I think comes when you have like some of the players at your table who have gone all out on optimizing everything for combat, uh, and other people who have made interesting characters who have flaws and have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and the sort of contrast between those two right where like i actually i made a suboptimal character at one point in a thing that i was playing and it just turned out to not be any fun right because i had nothing to do like by the time my turn came around everything was dead i had nothing to do and some of that is a dm balancing thing Mm -hmm. right but some of it is also that like there there has to be not balance in the way that most people look at it but but sort of balance in that all of your characters need to have something to do and i think that there's there's an issue in a lot of modern systems where optimizing things becomes kind of a necessity because the difference between optimize and suboptimal is so big
3: mm-hmm.
0: right if it was hey the difference between optimal and suboptimal is you know a couple of points here yeah. and there a couple of failed rolls it's fine
1: yeah, I don't know. I just I I do have a little bit different perspective on it just cuz I like I and I'm using 5th edition as sort of my primary uh-huh. system here when considering like this. There's just not enough to like if investing your resources in a particular thing to maximize your efficiency there if that becomes a problem in gameplay then that's not an optimization problem to me. That's a you're focusing too much on one type of gameplay problem. Like I you know you played a suboptimal character but I'm willing to bet you're playing at a bit of a munchkin table, right? A, a bit, yeah. Yeah, so it was you're only doing combat pretty much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the I mean the role play has gotten or had gotten better over time, but um or it had become more like there was definitely more <laughs> role play, but the, the the main focus was was definitely combat. Uh, And it becomes like, and uh, again, it's, it's a question of like, where do you balance that between what is the DM's responsibility to make gameplay fun for everyone? And what is the player's responsibility to make a character that makes sense for the play that you're going to do? And there's, there's some, I think there's some give and take there. And I think there's, there's a middle ground to be found. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that you can, you can make a system that takes that out. No, not at all but I would be interested in exploring the possibility of trying. And fifth edition actually did a bit of that. One of the things uh, with the sort of bounded accuracy of, uh, of fifth edition was an attempt to take care of that because playing, like I started, I actually started playing dungeons and dragons with the red books. Um, When Mm -hmm. you roll, you will roll three D six in order. That's your character. Mm -hmm. Now choose a class um you know and elf was a class when i started Mm -hmm. uh and it was i mean it was unbalanced it was janky it was messy um and second edition fixed some of that but there was still a a really weird power curve where different classes went up levels at different experience totals um and different classes got experience for doing different things it was really weird um and one of the things that happened was is that you ended up with like sort of uh fighters starting at level one reasonably powerful Mm -hmm. and they didn't get more powerful relative to other classes much at all and wizards started off as basically useless Mm -hmm. but you know by level eight or ten they were gods
3: yep
0: you know fifth
1: edition, fourth edition fixed a lot of that fifth edition broke some of it again what i will say is the the gap between like if you look at power gaming uh, from 5th edition relative to even 3.5 and Pathfinder the gap is much much wider in those older games like when yes. you're playing you know you're playing in a system that I admit encourages the power gaming not just in, in how you're statting but like you know you're level 8 and you don't have at least 3 classes you're doing it wrong you're only rolling 17 dice per action like you're, you're yeah. doing it wrong, Scrub. And, I mean, that almost doesn't exist in 5th edition. I think there's some sort of cheesy oh, kind of combinations of things. Like, yeah. uh, I think of something like mixing of feats. Uh, there's there's some unique combinations that create some some definite advantages. Polar Mastery in Sentinel, for instance, is, is a good yes. example of one. Where, I mean... Maybe the DM and the and the player just needs to have a conversation up front and be like, oh, what are you doing, man? You you know what you're doing." But even then, the 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 gap between you know that and just a person playing regularly, not intentionally power gaming, is so much more narrow than than some of those older systems. Like it's, it, it it's, is, it's still an oh. issue. I don't want to pretend that it doesn't exist. But it is so it's much better. less of an issue. Like it, it, it is. It. I.
0: My. Here's the thing: is that wh- where I'm coming at this from is not so much to say that the system is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's that the idea is probably a flaw in how, not necessarily in how people are playing the game, but sometimes in how players interact with each other. Um, like there's a there's a well, lot of. There's a lot of math nerds on the Dungeons and Dragons subreddits doing oh, like, oh, sure. you got. Yep. If you're not doing 138 damage per round, you're just you do, you built your character wrong, right? It's like 138 damage per round. Like, are how is that? Oh wow, you know. But so many people too are optimizing for level 20. It's like your campaign's not getting to level 20,
1: bud. Mm-hmm. Like, do yeah. what's fun. Right. And 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 I guess that goes back to session zero, the social contract you create with your players, clearly yeah. setting expectations for what this game is going to be. You yes. know, and I go back to your munchkin group, like if the, the the discussion happened where it's like, look, we're kicking down doors, we're 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 killing some monsters, like this is what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you know what you're signing up for.
0: Yeah, the session zero didn't really make that abundantly clear. Yeah. Okay, well then. Well, the other thing is too, is sometimes campaigns change, right? Like we, we started oh, off We started off with like story-driven stuff and light combat and then moved into a role for initiative, basically.
1: And then maybe some conversations just need to happen between the, the DM and the players. Like, hey, you know what? The combat's fun, but I'd like to do some other stuff too uh well what i did was i just rolled a new character and said
0: my other character is not really interested in doing this anymore yeah no. but this new guy is interested in sign on huh? so anyway i mean it worked out okay it was generally yeah, yeah. amicable right it was just i had an interesting idea it was kind of a one note character it was a sour note move on
1: all right well i think that probably uh that's probably enough uh about that uh, I do have some other questions, but uh, I'm not going to waste a hell of a lot more time on them. Uh, do you want to get into the pod bag? Let's do that. You've got mail. Uh, this pod bag is actually going to more or less be an extended parting gift section. Uh, Ian writes in. I've listened to a lot of podcasts in the past 13 years. What are some lesser known podcasts that you enjoy that you feel should get more credit? This can span any topic of your choosing.
0: Well, my contribution is going to be really short okay. because literally the only podcasts that I know about are ours and, uh, chasing scratch. I know that you've recommended a couple uh over the course of of uh, you know our our time here uh, and even before that outside of this place, but uh, I just I don't have a lot of time for for podcasts, so I'd like
1: to I just don't have time. You work at home. I do, do you find listening to something that's not just background noise distracting when you're working, yes.
0: I do. I'm concentrating a lot of times on on various numbers and moving uh, and sort of relating text that somebody wrote on a mimeograph in the 1940s to uh, modern CAD software. So I'm I'm often like transcribing things, but not exactly directly because things have changed, right? Uh, not just physically, but also in the way that we actually write things down. So it's like, I have to take this information, I have to present it in this way, but it has to be the same information, mm-hmm. except I have to change it for the things that have changed. It's a lot of stuff to keep track of. I do um, I do listen to an awful lot of uh, music creators on YouTube uh, who do like, I, I listen to a lot of synthwave, yeah. you know, back to the 80s.
1: Yeah, you kicked me a few like metal playlists that you said you were listening to a fair bit while you're working. And that's why I was asking the question about whether you can listen to podcasts while you're working. Like I know that sometimes it's a little hard to split your attention and podcasts tend to be uh they come in a different flavors. There's clearly background podcasts that's just noise, and then there's podcasts that's like I wanna pay attention to this.
0: And really the only ones to, to talk about like the flavors of podcasts, the only ones that I would really be interested in paying attention to is something that I actually want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm not interested in listening to what you're talking about, why am
1: I listening to you talking? That's that's interesting because what you're describing is basically how I felt about podcasts when I first started listening to podcasts, like back in I don't know two thousand six, two thousand seven, like when the word podcast was invented, and now I look at the podcasts that I listen to, and like they've helped shape my interests. I've I've bent myself around some interesting creators and and people that I just like hearing talk about things, and my perspective on them is completely different. But I used to think very much the same way you did. So I'll make a few recommendations for you as well as Ian then. Please write them down. My memory is bad. <laughs> it's not like we're recording this for posterity's sake. Oh, I, I can't watch myself back. Are you crazy? Oh, dude. You I listened
0: to, vo- listen to my voice like one time. And I, oh, that, that thing that we did with the, uh, with the nerd fight is like I had to listen to myself a bunch of times. And I'm just like, oh, oh my voice. that is an interesting
1: phenomenon yeah uh so back to ian's question some of the lesser known podcasts i mean lesser known's a funny thing right because like i think of some of the podcasts that i listen to are some of the bigger podcasts in their genres but they just happen to be genres that like unless you're true car like true crime or like conspiracy clickbait you're lesser known You know, like Dan Carlin's Hardcore History is an example. It's like one of the OG podcasts and like his fans are some of the biggest fans of any podcast ever, but it's not mainstream appeal. It's probably the best podcast on the planet. Uh, I listen to a lot of stuff like that. I listen to a ton of hockey and like hockey analytics podcasts. I'm not going to recommend those guys here, but there are a few that I am going to call attention to. Uh the first one is called Retronauts. I think you would like it, Telson. Uh you have a penchant for uh you know reading lists of video games by year from Wikipedia.
0: <laughs> no, I don't. Nobody can prove that. That content was lost. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: is uh, is am gonna put a short of it actually. Uh up oh, this week. No. Um It is a a podcast that's like video game history uh rotating guests the two main hosts at least from the past i don't know 15 years Jeremy Parrish and Bob Mackie I like them both um sometimes they'll get into like really really niche topics like they'll focus on a specific video game or a specific console or a specific event in video game history and then they do like every year they'll do a a, a through the decades type thing where it's like okay it's what is it 20 what year is it now 2023 something like that so at at some point towards the end of the year they'll look back at 2013 2003 1993 83 and do a couple of shows based on that talking about notable games and systems and stuff within those years but often it's just like hey this is the monkey island 2 show and, you know, let's talk about oh, everything I from Monkey Island, the people involved in the game, like, you know, the, the, the key stakeholders and the visionaries and, and the developers and the thought process and the inspirations. And, you know, they're not long, long shows, but they're typically an hour, an hour and a half. And they're a lot of fun. And there's
0: 558 um, of them.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a professional podcast, like it's a niche niche kind of thing so I think this qualifies as lesser known but in the the retro gamer space they're probably one of the better ones uh another podcast this one's probably lesser well known uh tabletop focused dungeon master of none uh rob guthrie and matt drewinski uh I think it was his last name sort of a general impact interest podcast DD tabletop RPGs Pathfinder etc lots of like Dungeon Master kind of advice approach. A um, couple of interesting guys. I kind of find them funny. Uh, this one's definitely for Ian. I, I know he was a, fast, uh, a fan of Hello Internet, uh, which has been on hiatus for years and years now. Um, but one of the guys from that show, CGP Grey, does another uh, podcast called Cortex. Which it isn't a replacement for Hello Internet, but it's about the closest thing we're going to get. Um, it focuses on, uh, it's different than anything I listen to. It focuses on like productivity, uh, usually in the workplace and like productivity related technology. It's not sort of nerdy tech, like they're, they're Apple fanboys and stuff like that, but they, they talk about things like getting organized and, and, and strategies for, for planning projects and, and and things and and efficiency in sort of your own personal workspace and i don't know it's 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 different but it's a it's a fun show uh it's called cortex with uh, cgp gray and mike hurley mm-hmm. and then the last one is a feel-good one it's a show that um didn't last long it turned into a book it's by one of my favorite uh internet slash nerd personalities, John Green. Uh, Fairly well-known author, young adult stuff. Uh, Not stuff that I'm into. Like, I I like him for his other stuff. He and his brother, Hank, have been involved in uh, creating things like Crash Course and uh, SciShow, complexly, a lot of the sort of nerdier YouTube channels that achieved sort of the early, early success. But he's written books that have been turned into movies. Fault in Our Stars is probably the biggest name one but he ran a podcast for a couple of years, just him talking, called The Anthropocene Reviewed, which, uh, and I'll quote its description, uh, reviews different facets of the human-centered planet on a five-star scale. So think of Yelp, but for subjects ranging from, like, Canada geese to viral meningitis. Uh, it had a short run, but it eventually turned into a pretty damn good book, and it's one of those things that you can go back and listen to it if you're just... Trying to find and put yourself into it like a different headspace, it, it, it helps you find perspective. It's just one of those feel good podcasts, even if the material is a little bit darker or negative. It, it, you know, like I just can't wait to, to listen to a show about viral meningitis, but you know. <laughs> uh. Um, you know, Icelandic hot dogs, like they, they really does talk about it all. And it, it's a very sort of poetic kind of, it's actually a lot like what we did with our nerd fights thing. Like you can tell that he sat and he wrote something and he wrote it to be quasi poetic. Now it doesn't have a theme the same way our thing did, but like he, he chooses his words carefully and, and it comes across, uh, the Anthropocene, uh, Anthropocene reviewed by John Green. Speaking of nerd fights, um, the,
0: the nerd fight currently stands at one vote to one. Um, and I would like to point out that my wife voted and Shane's wife did not vote.
1: And she listened to both of our videos. <laughs> She's in one of the videos. I think she, she, she liked them. She was smiling and she just didn't push the button. Honey, I love you. I know you're listening. Push the button. Push oh. the whopper button oh yes
0: push the whopper button we got bagels Woo! Woo. (laughs) oh man i miss
1: motivational speakers they were so so bonkers we're uh we'll give it another week we'll harass some people to to do some voting and then we'll declare a winner winner yeah then we'll, we'll move on to the next one. Hey, I got one more parting gift, uh, and then we'll wrap up this show. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
2: Anybody want a
1: In addition to all of these wonderful podcasts, I want to recommend a YouTube channel that Ian actually recommended to me a couple years back. It's called Let's Game It Out. It originally started with two guys, and then it just became one main guy, Josh, and it is legit one of the funniest gaming YouTube channels on the internet. It is, it's a guy that, I mean, he's found a formula for success. So I find his newer material just is playing the hits. So I actually don't like it as much as some of his his older stuff, but it's still great. Uh, he just plays games wrong. Like he'll play indie games and in early access and he'll find the ways to break them. You know, he, he, he turns a cooking simulator into like a a vile experience of existential dread like it is legit the funniest shit you will ever see and he's just one of those personalities that's like man I wish I could be this cool like just naturally oozing charisma (laughs) fuck that guy Josh you're amazing I wish I were you Uh, Um, let's game it out check it out Okay, back it up. There's a cooking simulator? Oh dude, there's like a cooking simulator franchise. <laughs> I think he's played about 4 or 5 of the games, uh, the cooking simulator games. There's a simulator that, game for everything. Oh, it takes me back. I remember you remember in the
0: battle DOS days, I actually had a surgery simulator where you had to like move the mouse to make incisions. Um, And you had to, I I learned that apparently there's like seven different cuts you have to do to take an appendix out. I I imagine they do it with like lasers and robots now, but it was like, this one goes like this, and then that one goes like that, and then this one goes like that. And I never got it right. I never actually got somebody's appendix out.
1: I always killed the person on the table. But anyway,
0: I'm not a surgeon, so it's
1: fine. You, personally, you have homework tonight. Let's game it out. You're going to have to check it out. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me let me make a note. Hey, that's our show. Uh, we would love to hear from you if you have any uh, listener-submitted parting gifts. Uh, you'd like to ask us a question in the pod bag. Hit us up by email: Nerding Under the Influence, uh, Pod Bag at Nerding dot com. That's our email address. Is it? Did I, I mention I'm I- drinking a porter and it's like eight percent?
0: so uh, has has anyone ever actually sent us an email who isn't ian
1: uh we get spam a lot of awesome. spam but it's like <laughs> podcast spam it's like hey i love your show want to take it up to the next level oh, yeah we get all kinds yeah. of that it's great yeah let's take it over the next level let's get 30 listeners The email address <laughs> is, is like published as part of the rss feed so you know yeah, like, you know, hot ads. I think we even had a. I have to dig through it again, but somebody offered to buy the show. Oh, cool. How much do they want to pay for it? Oh, I'm sure they didn't want to pay anything. They just wanted us to click something. I'm um, I'm quite certain that was the case. Oh. Anyway, hey, you could be the lucky one to be the first real person to contact us. Uh, give us an email. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, we're on, re- we're on re- the, re- the road re- to a million subscribers. <laughs> here's here's your homework uh valued listener uh recommend to Telson what he should do with the rest of his vodka oh (laughs) oh i can't wait i really really hope we get some responses on that if we get some good responses here's the deal won't be the next show because we're actually going to record the next show like right after this but like when we record next you'll have to make those drinks and try them
0: okay I'm I'm not inserting anything in any orifices of my body where vodka is not designed to go. Just so you know. Oh, come on. Have a little <laughs> fun. Nope. Not after that one time in college when I really needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>